Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Shanae Alexander, host of Press Send, a podcast and more importantly, a safe and hilarious place for candid conversations about the scary, funny, heartbreaking, but always intriguing questions that make us all human. Each week, me and a new best friend you haven't met yet field your questions across any and all topics and offer our take on the matter with plenty of humor, heart, and badassery along the way. We launch a new episode of Press Send every Wednesday. We'll see you there. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, trying her mostest, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. Right, welcome back, everyone. Today we have somebody from over the pond, which you're going to recognize in about two seconds when you hear her accent. But Rose Stokes is here today. Rose Stokes is a writer and she talks about a slew of different topics and issues. She's written for Vice, Refinery29, The Economist, Guardian, Telegraph, The Independent, and also a columnist at Metro, which is a newspaper in the UK. So Rose Stokes, welcome to the show. Hi, nice to be here. I kind of found you through this article that was kind of going all over the internet, which was one that you did for women's health. And the images from it are stunning. It is really, really interesting kind of seeing this topic about different bodies in a gym space. But I know that that must have not been just one thing that you're just like, this is a great thing to write about here. Let's write about it. There's a whole big story behind this. So I'm going to give you the floor, introduce yourself and tell us kind of the story of how it came to be this story that went so big. All started like um, most stories do with like being bullied at school or sort of, I suppose, being different at school. So I was by no stretch of the imagination, like fat at school, but I was always bigger than everyone. I remember feeling different because of it. Went on my first diet when I was, I want to say 11, I think. And it was always a thing that I struggled with. And it always felt like this sort of like chain around my neck. I went through sort of my 20s, like just steadily increasing in weight. I never exercised to a really serious degree because I was sort of scared of exercise spaces, I would say. 
four years ago, I started on a sort of diet and fitness plan with the intention of losing a lot of weight. Um, not in the best circumstances. Basically, I did lose the weight and I started keeping a blog at the time, um, which was called Weight Expectations. I wrote about it, a lot about my journey, about losing weight, about how, you know, discovering the joy of exercise, which felt like a space that I'd previously been excluded from, if not by other people, but by myself. Um, Mm -hmm. But also because of the sort of, you know, the big machinery of advertising that, that doesn't ever show people that look like me in exercise spaces and you kind of felt yeah. like if you were bit you were there it was because you were trying to be not look like you because you were you were rejecting yourself and I used to I even remember like I used to go to this gym near my work and I remember one woman just always kept telling me I never met her before and she worked in the same office building and she just kept saying to me oh you've lost weight oh yeah you're looking really good like you've lost weight and at the time I remember being like oh okay that's nice but like now I think about it and I'm like, why does she feel the need to encourage me um, like that? Why, why, yes. why does a bigger body being in a gym mean that I'm rejecting myself, if you know what I mean? Like a presumed, a presumed intention, right? Like, why are you there to exercise? I'm there to try and correct my body, right? This is like five years ago, six years ago. Yeah. So we weren't really having big conversations online about this yet. So, so this is before body positivity sort of started. And, and then I lost all this weight and suddenly was like, oh my God, I have my dream bod. Whatever a dream bod is, right? Because... Obviously, the more weight you lose, the more weight you want to lose. And the fucked up, sorry, am I allowed to swear? No, you can <laughs> swear. Swear away. Okay, so the fucked up thing about it is that I actually was never happy with my body, even at my lowest weight, because I was always finding different things to feel uncomfortable about. And I had a someone in my life at the time that was very, very critical of my body anyway. So it was very difficult for me to love it. I then became really preoccupied with keeping the weight off which eventually manifested in like very disordered relationship and a relationship with exercise that was punitive rather than like rewarding. Um, So I would eat things and then feel the need to go and exercise to burn the, the calories off or whatever. And then I felt very uncomfortable. And then I just, so that was maybe a few years ago, but at the same time I had started cycling every day, running, like going to, I discovered kickboxing and swimming. Like I started, I did loads. Of, I became so active, and at the same time, my mental health took a proper plummet, like a really deep plummet. And I had a full blown mental breakdown. And when that happened, um, exercise was like the raft I clung onto. So even though I was like signed off work and I was like staying with my parents at the age of like twenty eight. I was having so many panic attacks, I could basically not function. I was managing to get up and exercise every day and it was helping. And that was like the one thing that I that I did that helped me to feel more human, I suppose. Um, and then, so then basically, the, the short story is that I put quite a lot of the weight back on while also maintaining a really healthy relationship with the gym. I wouldn't say that my relationship with eating is, is cured by any, or like balanced by any stretch of the imagination, but I fell completely in love with exercise, completely in love with it. And that as I started putting the weight on, I started noticing, I suppose I had, I had achieved a body that kind of blended in in those spaces. And then I started noticing as I became heavier, 
that I was, you know, a noteworthy person in the gym, right? Even within the exercise that I'm doing during the day, like I have an Apple watch that like measured what I was doing before this. I can't even keep up with the amount of just leaving the house action. Like it's just nothing's the same. I think it's just as harder to push myself like outside. Although I did get a, my own punch bag. So I've been doing kickboxing. Oh, yeah. nice. Um, but like, I just, it's, it's just not the same. So I, you know, but I am, I'm still, you know, exercising and what have you. Um, and I just started to notice that people would look at me more in the gym and I had got in the habit for instance when I was thinner of you know working out in like a just like a training bra and leggings and it's something that I kept up when I put the weight back on because I just realized that it was just fucking hot and actually and I and like actually it's more comfortable not to be just covering yourself all the time and I suppose I had that confidence on my side but also because I'm really strong and fit and healthy and by that point, when I had earned that level of fitness, I was like, fuck you. I like, I deserve to be here as much as anyone else. So I'd go into exercise spaces and I would just be in like my bra and leggings. And I used to get like random women coming up to me and being like, thank you so much for like exercising in your bra. And like, um, no, no, seriously, like, wow. Calling me brave, calling me like all sorts of stuff. And at the, at the time I was like, that's really nice, but I'd actually just rather not be remarkable like I, this the whole point of me doing it is to try and normalize um because it isn't a big deal and it made me so yeah it's sad. not bravery necessarily like, I'm just, just in your body I'm just like, I'm just fucking hot and like I want to be able to punch harder and faster and not get like exhausted from heat but um it just kind of made me realize like how there's so much self-hatred around when it comes to body body shape body size and like I'm not saying I've got it like figured out at all like had a lot of good therapy I've had to examine like my relationship with eating I went on antidepressants after my mental breakdown that made me put more weight on like it's not something that I I actually don't think I'll ever feel I don't know if I'll ever get to a place where I'm like completely comfortable because it, it, it will always be like a sort of work in progress but exercise exercise I feel like you know, that's my space. So I wrote, so basically what happened is I pitched a piece to women's health last year and I was like, I want to write about what it feels like to be the odd one out in a gym space where you're walking in and the trainers are handing you lighter weights or you walk in and people are sizing you up and being like, oh God, she must be unfit. And for me, the impact that I had on me and how it made me push myself harder in every single class, because I felt like I was trying to prove to everyone, whether they'd noticed me or not, that fat people could be healthy and fit. And it's like I almost, without anyone asking me to, became this like sort of spokesperson for the fat community, <laughs> like that no one asked me to be. Yeah. And I was like, and, and, and like the thing is that, you know, the reality is that it's that whole thing where, you know, everyone says, you know, no one's thinking about you as as much as you think they are because they're all busy thinking about themselves like probably loads of people in those classes like didn't even notice me but I always felt like I had to do one more burpee one more squat like just to be like I deserve to be here okay like I'm not here trying to reject myself I'm here trying to celebrate myself and that that was like mm-hmm. an insecurity that probably came from like years and years of fat phobia and all of that sort of stuff so then when I pitched the article, I was just like, yeah, I mean, this is a conversation that needs to happen because it, we can't just be selling exercise to thin people or to people that want to correct the way they look. One of the highest incidence rates of like bad, poor mental health is around people that have like poor body image, obviously, because we live in a mm-hmm. fat phobic mm-hmm. society. 
some of the best yeah. ways of looking after your mental health are exercise. So if you're excluding that whole group of people from something that would make them feel better and attaching a, a sort of cost to it that's like, well, you can you can like partake in this fun thing, but only if you're punishing yourself for being fat and trying to correct mm. that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yes. And also because I felt... Do you know what? This is it's a funny thing, and, and I guess you all understand this feeling because you're big on Instagram. But when I started my blog, it was called Weight Expectations, and it was about my journey as a you know a fat woman losing weight and becoming empowered. And I wrote, and that was that was basically how I started writing. Actually, so we can talk about that in a bit. But I had another job entirely; like I was just keeping this um, for myself, really, and um, and it built up quite an audience, basically, um, and. Uh, a lot of people started reading it and that was when people started saying to me, oh, I think maybe you'd be a really good writer because this stuff's really good and you're just writing it yourself. So I was writing this thing and it was all like, hey, presto, magic, I've changed my whole life and I'm so much like... And then so my Instagram now used to be my weight expectations account and I've had to go through and delete so many posts that I now like fundamentally disagree with because of body positivity and the, the the way that my mindset has well not because I don't I don't I was never I was never just to, to sort of be brutally like I was never fat phobic I was never you know saying to people like you know you should be changing I was kind of like if you want to change you can change for a couple of years now when I've been putting the weight back on I felt like there's a dishonesty about me sharing my weight loss and then not sharing my weight gain. Like I felt like, I felt like, you know, a lot of people would have looked at that and been like, oh, look, she's, you know, ticked the box. She solved it. She solved this whole like weight loss conundrum or whatever. And then she's just never spoken about the fact that she didn't keep the weight off and, oh, she's put quite a lot of it back on. And, and people don't deserve to hear that. Like you don't have to tell them. But I was like, yeah, but I'm only telling them half the story and that's not fair. Like, it's not fair to say to people, oh, look, I achieved this amazing thing. And like, I, I achieved it under duress from someone very close to me. Like, I, there was like dark component to it. Oh, I 100% agree. Like when my account was a weight loss account, the way that people would come up to me in public, they'd be like, it was like they would meet me and they'd be happy to meet me, but they would be like, oh yeah, like I'm just working on like losing that last 10 pounds and like, or like I would see them in a restaurant and they're like, oh, this is like my cheat meal. They were almost apologizing to me for like their body or their lifestyle. And I was like really taken aback by like that they felt that. And then when things shifted, I'm a little bit different. I actually left up all my old posts because I did have very like fat phobic thoughts and thinking directed at myself. Like I talked about my own body in really fat phobic ways. So I have left it because I want, I have wanted people to understand you know, similar to you, there's this before and after story. We need the stories of after the after, because it is unbelievable how many people I've talked to who've had weight loss journeys and have said the exact same thing that you've said, same thing that I've said. We've heard other people come on the show before and say it as well. I didn't love my body at the end of it. And it was kind of that message that was sold over and over and over again. But now this transition and this difference in sharing the other side, the things that people share with me when I run into them now is very much like, 
I wore a bikini because of you, or I went to the beach and I didn't think twice about it because of you. And I was like, well, no, that was like you, you did the actions. Like you're the one that did that. But the response of people and the way they feel even around me or around the conversations is entirely different. And I think it is, it's one of those uncomfortable things to face when you recognize that you were actually quite a bit part of this diet culture that we talk about now in such a, in such a villainous way and almost like a vulture that kind of looms around us. But it's also important to share that fact because I feel like it gives me a lot of grace to those who are still in it and still have those messages or still feel those feelings or still kind of have those fat phobic beliefs and thoughts because I was there once. Like I think a lot of us were, and it was the way that we drove ourselves to permit that hate, like permit that rejection of our bodies and permit it to be something that it was okay to change. That we went to the gym because it was meant to do, we were trying to hate ourselves happy, right? Like there is a lot of this. So what was the response when you started sharing the other side of things, the after of the after? I was worried that because of the hashtags I'd used, someone hating themselves might find it and go, look at this woman. And it was only like, a really small part of story. It was like chapter like 17 on a, on a, on a book that's like 600 chapters, you know? And I was like, and if, if they stumble across that when they're feeling like shit and they look at me and that makes them feel like shit without knowing all of this other stuff, then I contributed to them feeling shit. So I was like, I'm just going to delete them because I wouldn't want to, don't want to be part of someone else's like self-hate. Basically. Yes. Yeah, I 100% agree. Body positivity started. I went through this whole like, well, shit. Like now I don't know what to hate because I'm like, now I hated my fat body. And now I'm like, should I put weight back on again? Like I just, I found myself really caught yes. in that conversation because I was like- Very confusing. Because I was like, is it fat phobic that I'm happy with? Like that, that I'm happier when I've lost a bit of weight am I confusing? Am I hurting other people? It was like, and, and like, I, that always happens when you're having difficult conversations. It always throws up a load of other questions, right? But for me, um, this women's health piece was really like me coming back out. So mostly it's just people that know me that like, you know, friends of friends and friends on Facebook that used to follow me or whatever. But just coming out and saying, look, yeah, I did put it the way back on. But um, actually, I'm the happiest I've ever been mentally. I, um, I'm not saying that I don't look in the mirror and think like, why did you eat chocolate every single day of lockdown? But at the same time, I like genuinely, I mean, cause we're talking about like health as a, you know, like a, a very complex thing that, that encompasses loads of different things. Um, like for me, my mental health was so, so closely like tied in with my weight at that, when I hit the floor and my mental health just shattered, like I, it, it made me put my, my life back together and my, and my sort of thoughts back together. And it made me really just rethink about what I wanted my life and my sort of emotionally to look like and what I wanted to feel about myself and how I wanted to think about myself and the people I wanted to let into my life and the people that I wanted to push out of my life. And all of this it was like a big reckoning, basically. And, um, and so actually for me, this was like a coming out as hey, this is me. I don't hate myself anymore. Like you might look at that and think I should hate it, but I don't. Like I don't love it either, 
I don't love it. People don't talk about that enough. And I, and I feel the same way. Like I, I really err away from body positivity language because first of all, I understand that it's meant for an entirely different group than me, right? I'm still a thin identifying. I I fit in straight sizes. It's not really meant for someone like me. However, even within that language and the fact that it's become kind of the buzzword that we use so much, it really gives this false sense of hope that like you feel positive about your body. And the same with self-love. Like I feel like I always have to clarify with people like self-love for me isn't looking in the mirror and liking what I see. Like I still don't really have those moments very often. The bigger piece is the fact that like I act in love regardless of what I look like. But that also means giving grace to the fact that like, let's say after COVID and like we go through lifestyle changes yet again, And, you know, I can get to the farmer's market again every week. We have fresh food in the house more often. We're not ordering takeaway as much. All of these different changes that could happen. There is a chance that the weight that I've gained during this time may release itself during that time. And I'm not going to feel shame from my body on any end of the spectrum anymore. And And I recognize now that, like, this is kind of what happens is people you know, lose weight and we assume that they wanted to. And if they gain weight, we assume that they didn't and that it's just kind of becomes this bubble. And it also makes it really confusing. I found January this last year was most confusing time of my life because I just come out from like sitting for two weeks in everybody's homes and eating lots of rich food, lots of sweets. And I just craved salad and getting back to the gym. And I was like, am I diet culture? Is that me? Have I done this again? I sat there and I thought about it and realize like, no, I actually want to work out for reasons that are so much more than just changing my body. And I, I think my body actually craves that food because I've been eating so much richness yeah, yeah, yeah. that I need to like, my body is actually, I'm actually listening to my body in a really integral way instead of shaming it into feeling like it needed to have those. Like what, what we should do really, and I actually, I should correct that because my therapist always tells me not to use the word should, but what would be a good thing <laughs> is if we didn't have a culture that encourages binging for two weeks like and then yeah. having to correct course because like if we all just kind of had like some bits and pieces of sweet it's that swing isn't it it's like Christmas I can go crazy and then afterwards oh I need to correct it and it's that sort of weight loss was a very public in the end demonstration of something that was horrible happening in my private life and mm. um the weight gain was something indifferent well something of, of of little consequence that happened alongside me getting happy and that's not to say that because of the weight gain that I'm happy it's not to say that because of the weight loss I wasn't happy it's actually neither they're inconsequential mm. right but for me yes. like putting weight back on you know, becoming a writer like being able to talk about these things for me like was all part of me finally taking up the space that I want to take up in the world and saying, you know, actually, I've got a voice. I've got stuff that I want to say and I want to say it. And the article was a long time in the making. I wrote it last September, I think. Um, And then we had the photo shoot was just before lockdown. So it was like a week before. And it felt really surreal because I went and I had like my makeup and my hair done. And I said to the editor, like, I'll do it, but only if I can do it in leggings and a bra. Like... If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this properly. And like when they were all like, oh my God, these photos are so nice. And I was like, I actually really don't like them. As in like, because obviously like, well, in the beginning, like, so then, so when it came out, I saw it for the first time when it was on the shelf. So I went to my local supermarket when we were in like full lockdown and I live alone and I knew it was out. So I put my little face mask on, walked down to our supermarket, queued for like an hour in the sun 
um, got in and luckily they had one um, one copy of it. And, um, oh, and so okay. I went in and I opened it and I was just like, oh my God, it's six pages. And I was just like, ah. Um, so I sort of paid for it, ran out, called my best friend. I, I sent screenshots of it to my best friend and like called her. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. was like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is amazing. And I was like, yeah, I, I don't know what I feel like. And then I just started crying. And I was like, I don't love them. And I feel bad for not loving them. There's part of me that's all tied up in this sort of like 16 year old girl that like hated her body so much that so I'm like plastered over six pages in women's health, which is like, you know, the pinnacle of what was the pinnacle of diet culture when I was young. So like that, that yes. for me was like a big journey, right? And to be able to have written it myself and told my own story and putting a voice to that, you know, that, that was a real moment but it was so much such a big day like I I then it was the same day that everyone was like arguing with each other about whether or not Adele's happy about her weight loss and so I Ooh, and so I was just like, so the timing so I just was like on a day when you're all like you know arguing about whether or not Adele is happy about her weight loss which is by the way none of your business um I'm gonna share this and it was like I lost all this way did it make me happy not really <laughs> um um, yeah. And it was just like a sort of redacted version of the story, and I put I pressed send on Twitter and Instagram, and then my phone just blew the fuck up, and I was like, oh my god, and I was just at home, like obviously I had no one to see mm-hmm. or to like be around or whatever, so I just had to turn my phone off and go for a nap because I, I was just so overwhelmed. So nice, and you will know this. Like, it's so so nice the amount of messages I get from people that are like, yeah, thank you, like. And they will all share their stuff, deal with overwhelm by napping. Like, that's my thing. So I, like, napped all afternoon, woke up, and then just went for a walk. And then, like, turned my phone back on again. I was like, shit. Um, and was just, like, I had so many messages from people and so many people sharing it. And loads of people, like, taking videos of them going to buy the issue. And, like, it was, it was just, like, it was crazy. And it was so validating. That's amazing. I bet. And I think it was a story that was needed. I, I know that they exist. I know other people have shared them before, but I think it was just really pointing out some really major facts that we'd been kind of not been talking about for a long time, which is, you know, a lot of the fact that there's a lot of fat phobia and fat shaming in the diet culture realm and even often in the fitness realm. And just as much as we saw there being a huge debate when was it Nike that came out with like a plus size mannequin? So you want people to lose weight, but you don't want them to go to the gym because that's not a place for them. Like it's it's just so multi-layered and so uneducated. And I think it was I think it's important that your story kind of came out. And and I love that you kind of write about things like this. And when you look at your articles, you actually write about quite a few different types of really interesting types of things. <laughs> so you've said that so you're a freelance writer. You've written for some really big, you know, places now, and you've been doing this just for a year. So how did you get from a year ago into now and by writing these pieces that are total curiosities and in, in such interesting topics? Like when I go through your Instagram feed and see the stuff you're talking on, it's so powerful to see, you know, some of these topics being talked about. I really kind of love what you get into. So kind of share how that all happened for you. Well, thank you, first of all. Like I still, and I know this makes me sound like such a loser, but I still, every single day, I swear to God, I sit and I think, wow. Um, 
God, I'm actually getting a bit emotional, like blame my hormones. But I think, wow, like I, I did it. Like I am writing. I, this is what I always wanted to do. So basically I always wanted to be a writer, but never had the confidence. And it's all tied in with the same moment of reckoning in my life where it like properly hit the floor with my mental health, like really had an opportunity to rebuild myself. I was working in the media, but like not in uh, writing roles really. Like I wrote this blog and then I wrote bits and pieces, but I just thought I never had any belief in myself. So I would write bits and pieces here and there. And then I, I had a couple of bits published. But basically the short story is that I got fired like a year ago from oh wow from a job that I didn't like. Um, in a re- Well, then that's company. not... <laughs> <And> it, <laughs> it was a good firing. In a company that I, that I felt was like very toxic. And it was like a real moment of like, oh, okay, life is just drastically changing course um but in the meantime I've done all this amazing therapy I've changed so many parts of my life to make them look and feel more like I want to why don't I why don't I do that with work as well I'd had a bit of savings in the bank and I was like look you've talked about wanting to be a writer for your whole fucking life like people have told you you're good at writing you've written some stuff and it's done really well like why don't you just try like three months like you can afford to pay for three months and just see and I guess luckily for me it worked out I couldn't have done it when I was 23 like I didn't have the Mm, confidence mm -hmm. I had no I had so much to learn at that point and I think so I was 31 when I started writing and it meant that I have lived in lots of different countries I've had loads I mean my whole like degree and the first portion of my life was all about speaking Spanish and living in Spanish-speaking countries and stuff and studying Latin American politics um so I've, I've had a lot of experiences that I think shaped my worldview a lot. And it's almost like I've been sitting watching loads of stuff happen and having opinions on it. And then all of a sudden I was like, right, here I am. <laughs> like, um, I guess, I guess I'm being confident means that I'm quite opinionated, but I'm, I'm such a, I'm so such a passionate like person about equality. Like I just, and I'm also the kind of person that I'll walk into any situation and go, that's stupid. Why is it like that? Do you know what I mean? And that, mm. that is probably how I'd best describe my journalism. It's like, why are we doing it like that when we could do it better? Do you have a piece that is your favorite? Do you have something that you've written that's really stood out in the last year? I think I have a few favorites. Like one, my first big break, um, I wrote a piece about the morning after pill and how, so we call that here, I guess you guys, you might call it plan B, I don't know. So it's basically emergency contraception that you take if you have had unprotected sex after sex um so I wrote a piece because basically I became pregnant after taking one of those pills and then went down this rabbit hole trying to understand why that would have happened have you seen the show what's it called yeah yeah, Um, thrill this happened so that is your story but it happened after like it's it's so weird like so, that's yeah. so wild yeah, I know yeah so, I'm like you are I'm like is the show based on I know, you so literally I, like, I got that message from all my friends they were like what the fuck Rose because like oh, she writes this thing about the morning gosh. after right and hers was about weight and mine was about how I basically found out that it doesn't work the way that that they tell you that it works and it was like a bit of a mm. a bit of a and, and also in the UK they charge quite a lot of money for it and there was this whole story about it but it was mainly around the thing is that if you've already ovulated then it can't stop a pregnancy but they never check with oh. you they never check with you in the pharmacies here or they, they're supposed to but they don't if you when your last period was oh, so I, I'd taken it and it wasn't going to work like it was it was like popping candy right 
Um, so I wrote, right, right, I wrote right. that piece. So that means a lot to me because um, it was my first piece that like, you know, people paid attention to. I'm, I'm still kind of exploring what kind of writing I'm, I'm committed to because I do, it's mainly women's rights, like, let's be honest. But um, the, there's a few that have, I mean, the women's health one, I still get messages every day. And it's been like two months. But then I wrote, I write quite a lot about sex and relationships. And actually, actually, if we're going to talk about the funnest one I ever wrote, which was for Vice, and it was how to have sex during lockdown as a single person without leaving your house. But it was like this one, I'd had, I'd had a couple of weeks of like not writing and then this awesome editor commissioned me. And, and it was like a piece that made me fall in love with writing again because I just let my brain go. Oh, I love that. You've talked about lockdown a lot. I love the one that you wrote for Metro that was, I've been someone's dirty secret. Here's what it feels like. You have different ones. If you're using lockdown to get back in touch and apologize to your ex, don't. Like these are <laughs> actually things that I feel like we need to be reading about. Oh, but yes, yeah. I see the vice one, how to have sex under lockdown without leading the house, strap in and enjoy the possibilities. <laughs> I mean, that's just, you're just, you're just good. Like oh, that's just you. good. I mean, I never, good. I never do the headlines. There's a, there's a, um, there's a big piece of, uh, spoiler. Okay. Alert. But let's give you some credit because yeah. the very first line says work hard, wank hard. Yeah, no, so. that, I actually, <laughs> I actually have to say like, I've, I've got a piece that I've recently written to the vice that hasn't been published yet, but in the first sentence I quoted Coolio and I was like, this is a highlight of my career. Like I was like, I've literally like, and I sent it to the editor fully expecting her to be like Rose. <laughs> and she was just like, yeah, no, it's cool. It'll go up. And I was like, wait, so Coolio can stay and she was like yeah and I was like yes so I so like that, that feels like a career milestone like if you're quoting Gangster's Paradise in, in an article like I think that's good right Amazing. but like also I've just learned so much about myself through this stuff because generally speaking I just I get stuck into topics and I find things out and then I end up writing a few things about the same stuff but I found out so much about like sex and relationships like particularly about like recently like my big awakening through lockdown has been about um I was looking a lot at like BDSM like submissive dominant relationships basically had this big awakening about how as a woman like you're kind of taught to be submissive in relationships submit to a man right and I and I've always hated being in relationship and I think it's because I'm really dominant as a person like and I'm very like I go for what I want and I just suddenly had this realization where I was like, the reason that I'm happier when I'm single is because I'm not myself when I'm in relationships. And then it's kind of made me twist wow. the whole thing on its head, dating someone different and it's going really well. But like things like that, where it's like my work and my life will sort of get welded together. Well, and it causes you to be insanely introspective. I think about my life before I ever started blogging and it was like, you just went through your day and then the day ended. And then all of a sudden you're like, hold on, if I'm going to pay attention to this day, what did this look like? What did I do? What purpose did I bring? What? Did I, and suddenly you become very aware of your day. And like, as I went down into like the body journey and I started writing about that, I became very aware of my thoughts and like why I was thinking these things. What were the moments where like you were triggered into believing these certain thoughts or feeling a certain way? So I think that like, even for people, what I, what I want a lot of people to take away, even if they're never going to get into career writing or blogging or anything like that, 
you can still have that approach to life. You can still journal and take in your day and digest it in a way that you actually start being incredibly introspective and asking questions. Like just be curious even about your own life, which I think is exactly what you do and exactly what you kind of do with the world and which makes you so interesting. My therapist always says that my like key, like quality as a person is curiosity. And it is, it's literally, I've stumbled across something and I'm like, well, I want to learn all about this thing. Well, I just love your work. I'd love for you to share where can people find you and kind of start getting into some of this juicy stuff that you write about and your big piece in women's health as well. On Instagram, I'm at Rose Stokes and Twitter is the same. Um, I've got a website, uh, rosestokes.co.uk and the women's health article, I think is going to be coming up online soon. You have some good snippets. Yeah, you've got some good snippets on your page and stuff as well, which is really good. And, And you're really good at sharing a lot of these different pieces of work and when you do them. So that's amazing. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. I I think it's important, even while your story mirrors a lot about mine, I think it's validating in a way for a lot of people to know that these are not singular stories. There's a lot of people who kind of go through these things, who feel these feelings. And if you're one of them, like you're not alone in that. And, and, you know, the more we learn and the more we echo those kind of conversations, I think the better we kind of are, especially if you're somebody in the fitness space or wellness space, or even in the diet space to kind of hear the conversations that we're having and, and listen. So I appreciate you, everyone. You can go and check out Rose Stokes. That's R-O-S-E-S-T-O-K-E-S. I'm going to put it in the show notes as well and tap into your inner writer. We'll see you next week. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then. Bye.